Hello, and welcome to Jughead Shoulders, Knees, and Toes, Knees, and Toes, the only Riverdale fancast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Kat, and this week we looked at Season 1, Episode 10, The Lost Weekend. So, Kyle, based on the one episode that we watched, what is Riverdale? Well, I'll get to that, Kat, but first of all, I want to ask you a really important question. Oh, okay. Would you say that I am more of a Betty or a Veronica? I'd say you're definitely a Veronica. What? Yeah, because you, you got like a... No, 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 no. You're I'm s- definitely a Betty. No, because you're sassy. No. You're kind of sexy. No, I'm a Betty. You're a spoiled rich girl. I'm a Betty, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Very type A. No. 4.0 student. No, you're not. No. I was the editor of my high school newspaper. Absolutely not. And sometimes I like to dress up in a black bob wig and lingerie and uh, drown star athletes in hot tubs. Well, that part is true. I guess you are more of a Betty. Kyle, if people were only familiar with the Archie comics, that last part might sound a little confusing. Would it? I'm not very familiar with the Archie comics. That's kind of what I thought would be par for the course. I mean, I was known to read some uh, Archie comics in the early 2000s, once in a while. And you never saw that? Never really got to the issue where she put on a black bobbed wig and tried to drown an athlete. But there was a lot of lingerie in the Archie comics, right? No, not so much with the lingerie, no. No? Mm. A lot of drownings? Very few drownings. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not very familiar with the Archie comics. Uh, Here's what I knew about Archie going into this. Mm -hmm. There's a character named Jughead that wears a crown and loves hamburgers. Yep. So that was really the only context I had going into this. Uh, Riverdale did not deliver on the hamburgers at all. Well, his cake looked like a hamburger. Yeah, but I I thought that he just stuffed his face with hamburgers 24-7. I feel like you do in the comics. Well, Riverdale gets an F for hamburgers, (laughs) is what I say. Um, Yeah, Riverdale. Riverdale. CW, it's uh, their uh, fresh take on the Archie universe, and... Is, I loved it. Is fresh the word for it? Like, I, I, it doesn't, I definitely wouldn't call it a stale take on the Archie universe. That's true. I would say a, um, a, a dark and twisted take. Yeah, it, it, it's basically the gritty reboot <laughs> of the Archie universe. The gritty reboot that everyone was crying out for. They, they loved the, um, the the Silver Age Archie comics were okay, but then there were all those Alan Moore editions where it got like really dark, you know, the Archie killing joke and stuff. And then Christopher Nolan was like, "Let's make the dark gritty reboot on the CW." Wouldn't it be amazing if they got Christopher Nolan to direct the pilot of Riverdale? <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty incredible. Anyway, Riverdale. Riverdale. So we got we got Archie. Yeah. We got Jughead. Yeah. His best friend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We got Betty. Yep. We got Veronica. Mm-hmm. And then we got the whole rest of the gang. We got the Blossoms. We got Smithers. We've got uh, Mister Lemonbody. Was that the lawyer's name? <laughs> his name was Paul Sourberry. So I was close. Lemonbody is what you went with. Is that correct? Uh huh. Yeah, that's really close. Um, We've got Kevin. There's a Kevin, there's a Chuck, there's a Doily, there's an Ethel. 
The, the whole gang's here. The, the whole gang's the here. The whole gang's here, and they are full of trauma. Um, yeah, I loved this show beyond all reason. <laughs> like, it was just a lot of fun. It was... I it was the most fun maybe that I've had watching anything for our podcast. Yeah. Besides Full House Take Two. True, 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 true. Nothing can top that. I do have my questions over whether fans of the Archie comics would enjoy this, but we'll get to that later. And we'll also we we went the extra mile this episode and we read an Archie comic for my first time ever, uh specifically for this episode mm -hmm. so we're gonna give you a recap of that at the end we can do a little compare contrast mm -hmm. but shall we go ahead and jump into the episode yeah let's start with the opening monologue so the opening monologue is jughead um speaking to us in this very philosophical monologue about um People want the world to be full of order. They want to control everything. But what you have to understand is that the world is only chaos. And it's played over images of uh, cheerleading and partying. Um, yeah, and it, 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 was a, it was a nice introduction to the world of Riverdale for us, I would say. Because it's like the party scenes, it's just like Archie shirtless being like surrounded kind of garden state style by like people in chicken masks <laughs> dancing. Um, so knew from the start that we were, we were into something good. And it cuts from the monologue. Well, let's just kind of talk about where all these characters are at. Yeah. First, first thing I want to discuss Jughead. Okay. Jughead played by Cole Sprouse, AKA one of the two brothers from the sweet life of Zack and Cody, a.k.a. one half of the twin pair that played Frankenstein in Big Daddy. Uh, which I did not believe Kyle about at all until he proved it to me via IMDb, because I just remember that little stocky blonde kid with the puka shawl necklace um, just terrorizing the the hotel uh, uh did what's you it did called? you watch a lot of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? Yeah, what's it called? Concierge. Um that little Was it the same guy from the Gilmore Girls? No. <laughs> Cuz they were like the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, here here's my last memory of Cole Sprouse is a YouTube video I saw of Cole Sprouse being like the most hipstered up version of Cole Sprouse that he could possibly be, and it was a video talking about how he spends his time uh, growing artisanal honey. Harvesting artisanal honey? Yeah, you don't really grow honey. I guess you don't grow honey. But I, I thought that was his thing now, that he was a honey person, and that <laughs> he wasn't acting again. And then to see him in such a such a big role, I was surprised. First of all, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Second of all... Um, <laughs> honey person. Yeah, that's what people like, that make honey. Hi, call. was hi. Welcome. I'm Cole Sprouse. You may know me from the Disney Channel's hit TV show, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. But nowadays, I'm a honey person. Yeah, honey person, honey boy. Like, I go by a lot of names. <laughs> nowadays, I'm a honey boy. <laughs> hey, honey boy. No, not like that. I grow bees. <laughs> no, you don't grow bees. You harvest bees. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, cold fresh. Episode is going to infuriate the people of the apiary community. Um, yeah, and he looks very sickly, and he's wearing a beanie, like a knit beanie that has like a very subtle crown shape to the rim. Yeah, it's like folded up and then into the folds. It's like cut into a crown shape. Which is the funniest thing in the entire world. I also didn't notice like that until halfway through the episode. It's very much the definition of a gritty, gritty reboot. It's like, <laughs> let's make it black and subtle. <laughs> uh, anyway, what's up with Jughead in this episode? So here's here's Jughead's deal. is It's his birthday, but he doesn't like his birthday because his dad is a shithead and... Like, his only memories of his birthday is it being, like, the one day that his dad would pretend to love him. So he never tells anybody about his birthday except for Archie, and what he does on his birthday is go with Archie to see a double feature, and that's all. Um, but Archie tells Betty, who it turns out is Jughead's new girlfriend, what? that it is Ar uh, Jughead's birthday... So Archie, first of all, tells Betty, hey, you should go with Jughead to this movie. But also it sets Betty down a path of doing a, a lot of birthday related things that she should clearly know that Jughead would not want. Yeah, it, Archie goes to Betty and he's like, Jughead has dark secrets about his birthday and he doesn't want to talk about it. Just go with him to this movie and play it low-key and then betty's like oh a surprise party you say um invite his dad you say uh it, it's just bad decision making on betty's part as yeah, it's a, a it's hey, a lot of bad decision hey, Kyle, yeah as a betty uh-huh why would she do that that it's you would you would think that a betty would be very aware of like those around her you know mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like what i would define as a betty you know, like, I would think that a Betty would be able to see into somebody's soul and be like, exactly what this person needs for their birthday is to go see a double feature of a movie, and then we'll go alone and eat a cake shaped like a hamburger. Mm -hmm. So it seemed very un-Betty, like, to me, to be like, no, I need to throw you a surprise party, I need to make it a big deal, and I need to invite your dad, who obviously is a shithead. This is just bringing back memories for me of all those times that you surprised me with a burger cake and my dad, and you made me eat burger cake with my dad. I'm a Betty, and you you're, should know that after 11 years together. You're a total Betty. I admit that now. So Betty goes on this rampage of tracking down Jughead's dad um, and inviting him and Jughead's dad is like are you sure this is a good idea and Betty's like yeah for sure you bad alcoholic man uh and Betty invites the inner circle of Jughead's friends uh and gets all of them well inner circle plus Joaquin Joaquin uh nobody likes Joaquin yeah no one but Joaquin, Joaquin is Kevin's boyfriend and Kevin's in the inner circle yep so Joaquin needs to come. So it's the inner circle plus Joaquin. Yeah, so let, let's jump back and like, so that's that's kind of the setup for this episode, is there is going to be a party. But everyone, what is everyone else up to? Well, uh, Archie is really... Yeah, what's my boy Archie up to these days? Um, Archie... Still hanging out at the sock hop? Well, not quite so much. 
more like being really sad about his parents' divorce. Yeah, so it, it starts out with like, so the reason that Betty's able to set up, up a party is because Archie's dad, whose name is Fred, and everyone refers to him as Fred, which I thought was weird because one thing that seems to be a definite holdover from uh, the Archie comics, I would assume, is that all of the characters call all adults like Mr. Blah 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 or Mrs. Blah Blah Blah, and it was kind of adorable. Except for Archie's dad, and they're just like, what up, Fred? Uh-huh, he's Fred. Yeah. But everybody else, it's like Mrs. Lodge and... Mr. Blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ar- Archie's dad is going away for the weekend because he needs to go see his mom to sign divorce papers. And Archie's really sad about it, but Archie also didn't seem to necessarily realize that his parents were going to get divorced, despite the fact that Fred said that his mom hasn't been living there for two years. Mm -hmm. And then Archie's like, I had to choose whether to live with my mom or dad, and I picked my dad and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Archie, baby, uh, did you not see this coming? It's been two years, Archie. It's been a little while, Archie. Think, it's been a minute. I don't think your mom and dad are getting back together. Sorry. Sorry, Archie, baby. Oh, and it's also implied that Archie's dad is getting getting it on with Veronica's mom, Hermione. Hermione Lodge. Hermione Lodge. Uh, so, Let's so. spend a romantic weekend away at the Hermione Lodge. <laughs> so what's going on? What's going on with Veronica, though? Like, well, while her mom is sleeping with Archie's dad... What's going on with Veronica? Well, Veronica's dad is in prison. Uh, and her mom and their lawyer, Paul Sourberry, are asking her to make a character statement on behalf of her dad. But she's like, no, I hate my terrible dumb dad. I don't want to do that. And, um, and one one thing that I think is probably important that we didn't even really learn about until like halfway through the episode, but like an obvious holdover from... Uh, the comics is that the whole season centers around a murder, which I believe is how the original comics all worked. I mean, I don't, I don't really think so, Kyle. No, damn, <laughs> damn, damn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's a, so there's a murder. Uh, Jason Blossom, which is uh, Cheryl Blossom's br- brother, who will we'll get to Cheryl soon. Uh, oh, we'll was murdered by someone, and that's kind of the whole season revolves around trying to find Jason's who, murder. Yeah, who killed Jason Blossom? Um, but the reason that, that ties to Veronica is that they think that because they they're pretty sure that Veronica's dad didn't do whatever he did or whatever he's like in jail for, but they don't think that they can defend him on that case without implicating him in Jason's murder. Yeah. So they can't, like, use knowledge that they have to get him off. Um, And so basically Veronica is just kind of tortured and sad because everyone's pressuring her to uh, testify for her dad. And she's looking into the files and such, and she's like, oh, there's sketchy stuff going on with money between my dad and Jason's dad and my dad is scum and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And she, she goes and visits the lawyer, Mr. Sourbody and no, uh, 
Try again. Mr. Sourbody. Lemonberry. Mr. Lemonbody. <laughs> and they he has a letter from Veronica's dad that is saying like, hey, your mom's not as innocent as you think if you don't uh, like speak on my behalf, then your mom's going to end up implicated in all of this if I don't get out of prison. So she has to deal with like her feelings about her father versus her like thinking her mom is innocent and wanting to like protect her mom. And that makes her so angry that you know what happens? What happens, Kat? Makes her so angry she has to do a dance off. Yes. So, so Veronica and Betty are on a cheerleading squad, I think. It's like some type of dance team. Did you hear what, did you write down what they were called? They are called the Riverside Vixens. The Riverside Vixens. So, like, probably cheerleaders, I think, but that it seemed much more dance heavy than cheer heavy. Um, but Veronica and Betty are both on this uh, squad, and it is led by Cheryl Blossom, who is the sister of Jason Blossom and, like, part of the Blossom family, which seem, seems to be a mob organization. Best I could tell. Control the town, I think. And they're They're at war with the lodges. Mm -hmm. Uh, So basically, Veronica. She shows up late. She shows up late. Cheryl's like. To practice. Yes. (laughs) She shows up late to practice. Uh, Cheryl's like, you can't show up late to my practices, you dumb bitch. And Veronica's like, fuck you. You sent my dad to prison. Let's have a dance off. So then they just kind of, they, they know what to do. And like, in, in fact, uh, Veronica says, we'll, uh, we'll let the cheer team decide. Let's have a dance off because, uh, Cheryl like wanted to kick Veronica off the team essentially. Mm-hmm. So Veronica like just throws it to democracy. So Veronica says to put it up to a team vote and they just kind of already have this system in place, a very democratic system where they dance and then the team votes on it. It happens at least once per practice. I assume so. There's a lot of politicking going on. But this, this, this dance off. Oh, one of the most beautiful boy. scenes I've ever seen. One of, one of the best things that have ever been printed to celluloid, I would say. Do you want to sing the song that goes with it? DJ, turn it up. DJ, DJ. Play it out. I don't, I don't remember it, <laughs> but I liked it a lot. We the reason that I know the song is because we watched this scene at least five times because <laughs> we loved it so much. Like we rewound and watched it thrice during our viewing, and then we watched it once before we started recording just now. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's really and good. It, 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 it's obviously hard to describe dance in words. So we won't we won't fully get you caught up on it, but I highly suggest if you're not going to watch anything else of Riverdale, at least watch this scene. Essentially, uh, Veronica pulls out a very good dance, and Cheryl, she's kind of keeping up, but not really. <coughs> what Cheryl's doing is she's relying too much on her hair. Yeah, she's got really nice long red hair i can understand the impulse to want to rely on that hair but when you're up against a competitor like veronica it's just a no-go yeah you can't just whip your hair back and forth and Mm -mm. expect that to win you anything even if you are a blossom yeah so and then they they finish their dance with a nice little uh, little group duo between the two of them and then betty 
uh, right away jumps into, all right, all those in favor of Veronica and the whole squad outside of two people uh, cheer wildly for Veronica. And then it's all those in favor of Cheryl and then no one claps. So then, like, despite having just showed up at practice very, very late, in victory, Veronica just is like, all right, that shows you, Cheryl. Everybody, come with me. And then they just all leave practice. <laughs> That's why Riverdale never wins competitions, because this happens literally every practice. <laughs> Someone shows up late, they have a dance-off, and then everyone leaves. So they only really get in maybe five to ten minutes of practice per session. Yep. But... uh while while everyone's leaving, uh, Cheryl stops like two people at the back, and they're the two that didn't clap uh, for Veronica, but they also didn't clap for Cheryl. They just decided to uh, abstain abstain with their uh, constitutional rights to not vote mm-hmm. in this cheerocracy. Um, and so Cheryl gives them a very. Uh, mean girl speech and can i can i give you an excerpt of that from i'd my love notes? to hear the whole thing i don't remember the whole thing <laughs> but the part that i wrote down was consider this your last practice as river vixens and your last week as my social handmaidens you're fired on all fronts that's all shoo bitches it was very good can and- i say shoo bitches every time i want to well I was going to say every time I want to dismiss someone, but then I was like, that's not a thing that actually happens in my life. I don't just dismiss people. Can you start getting into situations where you can dismiss people so that you can start saying shoe bitches? I'm going to do my best. Um, But what I loved about this scene was that they, it opens up with an extremely democratic uh, practice that's like, Cheryl, like, clearly is the leader, like the captain of this cheer squad, but she instantly acquiesces to the idea of like, oh, let's put this up to a democratic vote after we have a dance-off. But then she has like the sole power to be able to kick two members off of the team directly afterwards. Because there's no witnesses. And she can just be like, oh yeah, they lost the dance-off. You weren't there to see it. (laughs) Oh yeah, challenge them to a dance-off. All, just the three of us, both of them lost. I'm the only survivor. Also, they're not my social handmaidens anymore. Yeah, it was a really high stakes. They were dancing for pinks. <laughs> I enjoyed that joke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that was the best scene of the episode. Not to say that there weren't a lot of good scenes. That was just very high quality. Um, and the only other thing that we need to talk about before we get to the party part is Chuck. 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 So they're at lunch the day of the party, and this dude walks in, and they all turn to stare at him, because you know what? He's Chuck. Well, they, they have a pretty wild reaction. Like, they act like they are seeing a ghost or something when Chuck walks into the room, and one character, I don't know who just kind of remarks that he, like, is literally the devil. Yeah, yeah. But Chuck's just kind of minding his own business, really, and he goes over and starts talking to Ethel, who is Barb from Stranger Things, so good to see her get in work. But uh, uh, Betty is kind of in a trance, like, in seeing him, and she says that she's going to go over to Chuck and stop him from, like, messing with Ethel. But what we see 
is a weird-ass flashback of Betty wearing the aforementioned black bob wig and, like, a corset and high heels and, like, putting her high heels to Chuck's throat while he sits in a hot tub. And our interest was piqued. <laughs> it was piqued. And then uh, Betty goes up to Chuck and, like, it was a conversation that we didn't really understand. I don't really know what happened in it. But the whole time that Betty's talking, she's, like, clenching her fists super hard to the point where she's, like, cut open her, like, palm with, like, each of her nails. So she has, like, four marks in each of her palms. Um, but while she's, like, doing that, Chuck starts, like, talking about how, like, she was a totally different person last time he saw her. And he says the phrase, Dark Betty, which... Oh, just filled me with joy and excitement about the possibilities <laughs> of this television show. Yeah, it was something along the lines of, like, your friends think you're so perfect because they haven't seen Dark Betty. And Kyle and I immediately were like, Dark Betty? Our interest was piqued instantaneously by the phrase Dark Betty. And they had they had us in the Riverdale grasps from there on out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So. So essentially, yeah. So... At the start of this party, uh, Jughead and Betty go to the double feature, and then uh, Betty makes him leave early. So that's like strike number five against Betty in this relationship. It's like, that's all he wants to do. You go with him, and then you make him leave early. But she also, like, disappeared, I guess, because Jughead came to the house alone. That's true. So, like, he, she was like, I gotta go early. So that she could go make a hamburger cake for him. Meet me at Archie's house. It's just really a vital misunderstanding of what Jughead's all about. Um, So uh, everybody's gathered there ready for the surprise party. Yeah, it's Archie, Archie, Veronica, uh, Kevin, his boyfriend, Joaquin, and Ethel. Yep. And Betty. The inner circle. The inner circle. Plus Joaquin. Uh, Do you think Ethel's part of the inner circle? Yeah, dude. I don't know. I mean, she, she was didn't sitting at a different sit table. with them at lunch. Yeah, but obviously they like her. It's difficult to say. Maybe she just is Jughead's pal. Maybe Jughead doesn't have pals. No, that he was has one friend, and that is Archie. Right. He says that at one point in time during the episode. <laughs> um, but uh, before Jughead arrives, we see Archie being so mad at his dad that Archie has started like drinking. So yeah, Archie's a lot of already a little this bit. Episode. I didn't personally approve because <laughs> they're what, like sixteen. Come on, kids. Come on, kids. No drinking. It's not okay. It's not okay to drink. You can do that when you're old enough. No. No. Mm-mm. It's not okay to drink. Oh, is what I say. And Veronica rolls up, and she's really pissed off about the whole um, lemonhead situation with her dad. So she also starts. Chugging down some whiskey. Uh, so everybody's already just kind of sad and drunk before Jughead even shows what, up. What, that sounds like Jughead's party. Like, that sounds like a party for Jughead. That's true. Like, and it, and it would have stayed that way and everybody would have been happy, except... Except... Cheryl needs to get her revenge for a failed dance-off. We see Cheryl... Um, go to Pops. Go to Pops. And she approaches someone... Uh, who the camera doesn't face yet. Yeah, and I and was she, hoping that it was like a, a a dark power broker of Riverdale, like someone in a cloak that just 
trades and like rumors and secrets. But now, no, it's just Chuck. It's just Chuck. And she says, um, I'm so mad at these sons of bitches, et cetera, et cetera. Let's team up for some destruction. So we know that they have, uh, dark plans in mind. But meanwhile, Jughead shows up to his party, walks in the door. They all yell surprise. And then in mm, a very, a very interesting directorial choice, Betty walks out um from behind from the kitchen and she's carrying a cake that is shaped like a hamburger and it's all lit up with candles and she does a sort of uh happy birthday mr president style happy birthday song and it just lingers for so long on her face and we hear her sing the entire thing very very slowly it's just never a good idea to have your female characters try to seductively sing happy birthday to anyone because it will never work out. Mm-hmm. It's played off as being like, oh, look, wow, how sexy, the candlelight. But no, nope, nope, nope. Um, so uh, she's like, all right, Jughead, make a wish, blow out the candles. And he does. And he's like, my wish is that you didn't throw this party for me. Well, he doesn't say it as mean. He says that his wish is that it would have been just the two of them. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I wish that I got to spend time with you and not have a party, which clearly isn't something that my social anxiety likes very much. (laughs) So he goes to uh, the garage and hangs out by himself. Wait, no, he's not hanging out by himself. He's hanging out with the best dog. It's a really good dog. Which we looked up like what this dog is. And it's at Archie's house, so we have to assume that it's Archie's dog, and we could not find any record of Archie having a dog in the comics. So if you know the name of Archie's dog, please tell us, because it is the best dog. It's a really, really good dog. If you had to name that dog, what would you name it? Rufus. That's less fun than I thought it would be. Oh. (laughs) Played that one pretty straight, Archwild. Archwild. Try one more. Philanderer Jones. There it is. There's the gold. There's that golden nugget of comedy that I was looking for. <laughs> uh, we did find that Jughead's dog's name is Hot Dog, which that kind of goes with the hamburger theme. Yeah. But... Yep. Oh, wait, is Jughead living with Archie? Because he doesn't have a dad anymore. But it's not like when Archie's dad is taking off. Like, Archie's alone in the house when his dad is leaving. And his dad's like, I hope you'll be okay all by yourself. He's not like you and Jughead. Do good. Well, so there's a chance that that dog might be Hot Dog. We'll just say that. Yeah. But if it's not Hot Dog, please let us know. I think there's also a chance that Jughead may be homeless. But if he has a dog, then the dog would just come with him everywhere then. Yeah. Yeah. So... Please let us know the mysteries of the dog. It's a very good dog. Um, So Jughead's chilling alone in the garage with this dog, and he's very upset because he hates his birthday. Meanwhile, uh uh-oh. 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 Who's that knocking at the door? It's some bullies. Here to crash the party. That's right. (laughs) Cheryl and Chuck. And the DJ. And the DJ. Because that is my favorite thing. So, like, they, Cheryl and Chuck come and they bring a lot of people with them. But the one person most important that they bring with them is somebody that brings, like, 
a full-fledged DJ setup to the party. And we later realized that, like, in the scene earlier at Pops, when Cheryl walks in to talk to uh, Chuck, there's just, like, a kid wearing glasses in the background, like, reading a book. What book was it? Do you remember? It was, it was a like, weird book. It, no, it was, like, a handbook for entering the military yeah. or something. Yeah, he was reading, like, a military handbook, but then... He overhears about this party and goes and collects all of his, like, hundreds of pounds of equipment and lighting mm -hmm. and comes and sets it up to DJ this party. And he actually has, like, speaking lines that are integral to the plot later in the episode. He's a perfect boy. Um, so Cheryl and Chuck bring beer and a DJ and, like, 50 people. And they're like... And Archie... Uh, also, like, because the recurring theme of this episode is Jughead's friends are very bad friends, <laughs> like, seeing that, like, obviously this is not something Jughead would want, but also just being very drunk, he's like, oh yeah, come on in, let's have a party, have a good time. Yeah, I... I was a little bit annoyed at some points with Jughead for being so whiny, but then you have to realize that the only two people he cares about are Betty and Archie, and both of them have just fucked him over. Yeah, it's either the only two people in his life either don't understand him at all, or understand him and just don't care. Yeah. That's uh, that's all he's got going for him. Poor Jughead. Poor Jughead. No wonder he turned to artisanal honey. No wonder. Um... So, and essentially, like, there's not, like, there's some stuff, like, so Jughead's dad comes, and they kind of have, like, a little bit of a fight, but not really, like, Jughead's mostly mad at Betty for inviting him. Um, then Betty comes in, and Jughead, like, gets mad at her, and they, like, have a talk about things where they mostly work it out. At one point in time, Jughead's, like, you're just dating me, waiting for Archie to, like, realize that he loves you. So that seemed to hurt Betty. Um, and Can I say the most important thing that oh, happens? Yeah, sure. The most important thing that happens is that Jughead's dad is there. It's very awkward. Um, and uh, Kevin and Joaquin are making out in the kitchen. Uh and Jughead's dad walks in, sees them kissing, and just goes, mm, mm, mm. Which is a bad reaction to two teens kissing yeah. when you are a 40-year-old man. Check out these two underage boys making out, mm, mm, mm. It's... And I, I don't think he was even saying it, like, because it would be one thing if he was just supposed to be, like, skeezy dad leering on these kids. But he, he just, like, he was trying for a different delivery. Yeah. It was supposed to be something else. Well, because he just stands and watches them for a long time. Because as, as best as I could tell, because essentially it j jumps into like a plot that's like Joaquin and Jughead's dad know each other. And what it eventually like lands on essentially is that Joaquin was probably like hired by the Blossoms to spy on the inner circle was yeah. essentially what comes out of it. So I think that the line reading was supposed to be like, mm-mm-mm, Joaquin, you're doing good work on this spy game. But it came out as, mm-mm-mm, look at those teens kissing. <laughs> uh, and then he just kind of goes, you could cut the sexual tension in here with a knife. And Kevin's like, what the fuck? And Joaquin's like, oh, this is Jughead's dad. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that's the thing is no one knows who Jughead's dad is. <laughs> yeah. So he's just a 40-year-old man wandering around this party. It's very grizzled. Like not even Veronica knows that it's Jughead's dad. Yeah. Yeah, there's like some other stuff that's essentially like focusing on the murder that we didn't really understand all of the all of the drama there. Oh, there's also when Jughead and Benny are, are having their argument, there's a very important line. Yes. Uh, because Jughead says that she's going to get tired of him eventually because he is a damaged loner outsider from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a good time to talk about like just Jughead's characterization, which I actually really enjoyed because he was essentially like straight out of a horror movie. He was like the that doesn't sound very kind to Jughead. Well, when he, you put he, it that way. He's the he's like the nerdy kid who's seen a lot of horror movies that's commentating on everything that's happening during a horror movie. But he's just like doing that same thing for CW teen romance dramas. Yeah, it's pretty delightful, and he also does some like self commentary. Yeah, he's just very self aware. And he's not only self-aware about, like, himself as a character, but, like, just about all of the going-ons of the show. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. It was a different take on that type of thing than I've seen before. And Cole Sprouse was killing it. Anyway, it's this crazy party. Yeah. At one point, Archie drunk dials his dad. Jughead's all, <laughs> <laughs> Jughead's all pissed off. He tries to leave. And then... Uh, Cheryl, uh, stops Jughead in his tracks right as he's about to go out the door. She says, no, 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 you can't leave yet. The party's only just getting started. And then she locks the door to trap Jughead inside. And this is just where I want to talk about bullies. <laughs> okay. It's like, I genuinely, like, I wasn't that emotionally attached to this. But that scene, like, made me want to cry a little bit, because I was just like, it's his birthday, and he's already having a very bad time, and he just wants to leave, and you're going to not only, like, keep him from leaving using social intimidation, you're gonna, like, lock him in here, and that just has to be a terrible experience for Jughead. Yeah. And I think that bullies are bad. I think bullies are bad, too, Kyle. So, they lock him in, and it's very sad, and then they say... Um, it's time to play our party game to let all the secrets come out. It's like truth or dare, but only truth. Well, isn't there a name for it? It's like I, lies and something or another. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I must have missed it. But essentially what happens is Cheryl just makes like the inner circle sit down in a circle while the rest of the party watches and just tells them, you need to tell us your secrets. And, <laughs> and it works. Yeah. <laughs> they don't just go like, shut up, Cheryl, you're weird. They're all like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Like, including the DJ walking out from behind a table and being like, you know what, I'll tell your secrets. Because, like, DJ's not even playing the game right. DJ should be coming out and telling his own secrets, but he's just like, no, I'll tell someone else's secrets. And he initially... Like, couches it. He comes out from behind the DJ booth and he's like, This is really fucked up and wrong. And then he's like, I'm so into it. Let me dish. <laughs> um, and so the, the, uh, uh, no, you go ahead. The scene was pretty inscrutable to us. Um, but these are the major secrets that yeah. came out. Well, I don't even think that you should try to go into depth on the secrets. Just give us the like topical theme of what each secret was. Okay. 
Uh, Veronica accuses Cheryl of incest murdering her own brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archie is accused of fucking his teacher. Uh-huh. And then Chuck says Betty dressed up like a hooker, drugged him, and drowned him until he confessed his crimes. And what were those crimes? Uh, he, uh, was sexually harassing girls. And so, it's so, yeah, so as far as we know, uh, Betty, like, had proof of, uh, Chuck being a sexual harasser, so then she dressed up in, like, BDSM gear, drugged him, and tried to drown him in a hot tub, and, uh, Chuck then goes on and he attempts to start spilling the real truth and that is the real truth behind Dark Betty. So we were very excited to learn the details of Dark Betty. We wanted him but to spill the Before he tea. could even get the words Dark Betty out of his mouth, Jughead punches him in the mouth. And it was really disappointing because I just want to know everything there is to know about Dark Betty. So here's here here's a little like I guess spoilers for Riverdale maybe because like I swear that I read about what Dark Betty is, and I just want to talk about this. Like, I just don't believe you even a little bit, but, but I like, haven't I, researched it at all because I didn't want to ruin the magic for our podcast, but I also just, I have no faith in anything that you're about to say. I read an article, and I have no memory of it being an article about Riverdale, but sometimes I'll just, like, see articles on websites that's like, here's the really dumb thing that happened in this TV show, and then I'll read about it. Um, and what I read that I can only imagine tying to this show was that, like, Betty in the universe of Archie has a sister. Did, did you write down? Because, like, because Chuck make, mentions the they sister. They make reference to Polly. Polly, yeah. Like so Chuck says, and the whole time she you were pretending she was... to be Polly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, here's here's my understanding from this article. If this article happened to be about Riverdale, <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> is that uh, Betty has a sister named Polly, but in reality, Polly doesn't exist, and uh, Betty has like disassociative identity disorder. And pretends to be her sister Polly, but that's really dark Betty. That, like, she pretends to be her sister when she's doing bad things. And I think, I think, again, potential Riverdale spoilers, just want to put that out there if I am right about this. <laughs> I think that Betty murdered Kevin, not Kevin, Betty murdered, what's his name? Jason. Jason as Polly. <laughs> But really, she was Dark Betty. I don't believe you even a little bit, but, but, I kind of anticipate that we're gonna, like, We are definitely going to watch all of this, all and we will see if I am right. So I kind of anticipate by the time that we record the next episode of the podcast, we will have actual answers. We so this is kind of a unique situation where we're gonna give a follow-up. Um, cause so far we haven't watched any more of the shows after we've recorded, but with this television show, it is the best thing I've ever seen. I love it so much. I need to know everything there is to know about the dark secrets of Riverdale. So we're definitely going to binge it this, this coming week. That's right. So let's just jump through the rest of this episode very quickly because nothing else really 
of interest to us happens. Like, essentially, uh, Jughead punches Chuck. The party's over. Jughead's dad is like, oh, hey, like, good work punching that guy. Go back and, like, make amends with Betty because she's good. And, and then, then Jughead and Betty go to Pops and they make up. Meanwhile, Archie is sad that he drunk tiled his dad <laughs> and about the divorce. And Veronica's sad about her shitty dad, too. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about it and they end up making out on the couch and then she sleeps over. Yeah, but- and here's the thing. First season. First season of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. But they're already throwing all the smooches out there. Like, you can't just have all of the Like, the four main characters cannot be smooching each other first season. Where is it going to go from here? Like, you've already got Archie and Veronica smooching, you know? Yeah. Like, you've already got Jughead and Betty smooching. Yeah. You've already got Kevin and Joaquin smooching. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Like, there's so many different combinations. There's Veronica only- and Betty can smooch. Betty and Archie can smooch. Veronica and Jughead can smooch. Jughead and Archie can smooch. And that's just with the four main ones. No, there's only 180 possible combinations. That's plenty for at least three seasons, Kyle. I don't think so. There's a lot of smooching in this show. <laughs> it's a smoochtacular. It's a smooch fest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's that's essentially the plot. And then uh, uh, Archie's mom comes home and is Molly Ringwald. Oh no no no! We skipped Smithers. Oh, and there's Smithers. Smithers is essential to my enjoyment of this show. Veronica is like, maybe my mom isn't innocent and my dad is like telling the truth, or maybe my dad really is a piece of shit. I don't know. Who can I ask who's known my parents the longest? Our servant, <laughs> Smithers. What is Smithers? Is he like their chauffeur or like their doorman or their a butler? Anyway, she goes to this old man servant and she's like, yo. Um, you've known my parents for forever. What do you think of my dad? And he's like, oh, I'd rather not say, miss. And then she's like, what do you think of my mom? And he's like, oh, she's a perfect angel, miss. Um, and that makes Veronica be like, thanks, Smithers. And she goes to Betty and she's like, all right, Betty, I'm ready to help you solve this murder because I think that Jughead's dad did it because he was getting paid by my dad to murder Jason Blossom. It was very confusing. I just like Smithers. Smithers is great. Oh, there's also a lot of talk about how um, Jughead is from the south side of Riverdale. Yeah, the south side. um, uh, Oh, what was it? South side snakes. The south side snakes. Yes. There's a gang called the south side snakes. Joaquin is And I hope that there will be a Sons of Anarchy style spinoff set in the Riverdale universe all about... The Southside Snakes, because I assume it was a motorcycle gang. That's, I don't have any proof of that. I can only assume and I can only pray, you know, that I haven't that seen happen. Sons of Anarchy, just to put that out there. I think it's about motorcycles, and I think the Southside Snakes would fit in, fit just right in. Uh, And then Archie's mom is Molly Ringwald, and that's it. So that's, and then cut to black. Cut to black. So. Riverdale. We loved Riverdale. So much. Do you think... People that read Archie comics love Riverdale. Let me first try to figure out who the fuck reads Archie comics. Well, we know that some people do. Yes. So do they like it? Do they like what? Riverdale. Because it's just (sighs) like, I'm just trying to think, because I could see, I could see 
people that are really into Archie comics just like having no interest in Riverdale, right? Just being like, no, that's not at all what I want. But as far as I've seen on the internet, people who like Archie comics have been excited about the concept of Riverdale. It, like at least like morbid curiosity. I feel like Riverdale is their beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy, you know? That's like, they they have their Archie comics that's just like bubblegum wholesomeness, but then they have their sort of like Fifty Shades of Grey dark imaginings. It's basic, you know what it is? It's, it's, it's just dirty fan fiction of the Archie universe, is yeah. what Riverdale is. But like, just what I'm trying to think of is like, so let's take as our, as a, as our like main subject, someone that loves Archie comics, like read them as a kid or whatever. And is excited about the idea of there being an Archie television show. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think, like, is there any other version that a Archie TV show could possibly take and be at all good? Like, can you oh, put Archie good. on television and not have it be, like, the gritty reboot and still make something worth watching at all? I feel like maybe you could go in a very, very tongue-in-cheek, campy direction where it's just like really shoving that bubblegum um it just seems like that gets so old face. so quickly though i i think someone could pull it i don't know what what's another example like, of a tv show like that because i well, feel like, like i can't think of like tv shows for instance but like the the only like similar kind of cultural like context that have been made into like a live action thing that I can think of is like the Scooby-Doo movies Mm. and the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which is obviously from the Archie universe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like both of those examples like went for the campy thing. And I couldn't possibly imagine watching like an entire season of television of either of those styles. I was picturing it almost more, I know this is a really, this is not a one-to-one thing, but kind of almost like a Rocky Horror flavor to it, where it's playing on the old-school campiness of it, like Rocky Horror plays on the old-school campiness of sci-fi, but also, like, really sexes it up, but also plays it incredibly straight, and just something, something even weirder than the show that they came up with, I think, could work. I wonder about the sexes it up part because like, cause like to me in my mind of what Archie is, it seems like the, the sexiness of Riverdale would probably be like the main kind of sticking point with people that are fans of the comics. But at the same time, like the only thing that I've ever heard about Archie in like pop culture is just about like Archie dating both women. Yeah. So it seems to maybe be a very sex-based comic already. So it's really the murder that's been added to it. It's the murder and it's the dissociative identity disorder. Potentially. Potentially. We don't know for sure. We think it's probably not. If by we, we mean cat. Well, one thing that I do imagine that at least like the, the kind of current generation of Archie readers might be bummed about is like one thing that I just know that happened in the comics because I like follow this very small group of comic writers on Twitter that were involved in it was that uh, they made or like revealed that Jughead was asexual in like a recent comic. But what I feel like you are missing is, is that they did a gritty reboot of the comic series as well. 
and that's part of that. Yeah, I'm just feel like I'm just saying that I feel like uh, anyone who's like really into Archie now, because it like because I know that because like Chip Zdarsky wrote the Jughead one, and I think Ryan North has written some of them and things. Mm-hmm. So like they've got like a good crew of writers currently on the Archie comics. So I just feel like anyone that follows that, like they would probably be like the main kind of audience for this like gritty reboot. That's true. And I'm betting that they're probably disappointed in that because that would be a nice thing to see represented on television. <laughs> um oh the the asexualness mm-hmm. of Jughead. I agree. That would be nice. Um I feel like anyone who like me just picked up the occasional Archie comic at the grocery checkout um in like the late nineties, early two thousands is just baffled. Because I'm baffled, but I love it. I yeah. love it. And I, I just couldn't really imagine doing it in any other way. Like, we didn't talk about the fact that we just love the CW. <laughs> like, that's really kind of the CW's, like, the inspiration for this podcast. And the reason that we haven't really covered any other shows on the CW is that we've, like, already done this just for our own personal enjoyment. <laughs> like, we will, we would watch, like, a random episode of the third season of Pretty Little Liars and, and try to figure out what's so enjoyable to us so buck wild and but now now pretty little liars is impure to us because we've also gone and read the entire wikipedia pages <laughs> for every season but we we just love what the cw is cooking up we also love what freeform's cooking up Ooh. i don't even know what freeform is because we don't freeform have cable. had twisted right yeah yeah we watched the pilot of this show twisted starring um uh, angry teenage Lynn manuel Miranda mm-hmm. <laughs> boy. Um, and Kyle only watched the pilot. I watched all of it, like, fucking twice. Because it's the best. It's so dumb. It's so good. Anyway. Uh, we should talk about the comic yeah, that let, we Yeah, let's read. go through it extremely, extremely quickly. Like, give me the 20-second rundown of what happens in the comic we read, which was the 2014 Comic Book Day free issue Archie's Summer Splash. In Archie's Summer Splash, um, the Archies is Archie's band, and they are gearing up to play Zowie Palooza, which is like a beach concert. Uh, and then uh, Cheryl Blossom um, has to abandon her private fancy beach because there's been an oil spill. She goes to the uh, public and Riverdale Cheryl beach. Cheryl Blossom is with Jason Blossom, still alive in this universe somehow. Like, I guess he dies the next issue? Like, the thing is, is that in the comics, I don't think that he dies. There's not so much the murder, you know? Oh. I keep trying to convince you of this, and you keep not listening. It's just hard to believe, because, like, it seems like this show was all made around the idea of there has been a murder. So it just seemed like the writers of Riverdale, when they were, like, pitching an Archie TV series, they were like, yeah, we know that we need to bring over the murder. Like, let's all just agree there. The murder is the prime thing that Archie comics are based on. But what if we sex that murder up a little bit? Anyway, um, Cheryl Blossom had to abandon her private beach. She goes to the public Riverdale beach. She sees the Archies practicing. She's like, I want my own band. She gets some of her friends together. They form a girl group called the Blossoms. They're very, very terrible. Um, the They're going to enter Zowie Palooza, <laughs> the um, Archie is like, let's conspire to not have her do that. And everybody, like literally 
everybody is on the same page about the Blossoms being uh, awful, including her brother, including her boyfriend. I think the mayor might have been in on it. Mayor's like, just in the background going like, this isn't very good. Like everyone at the beach who hears them practicing all agree that they are very bad. Um, so Archie concocts a plan where he's going to, he, he is like, Hey, everybody, Zowie Palooza changed to this venue, but don't tell the Blossoms. And of course, Betty and Veronica, they're so bad at playing it, playing it cool. So they make it really obvious, um, that something's up by trying to cover that something's up. Cheryl finds the, uh, flyer that says it's been moved to this venue um, and so she and the Blossoms go to that venue to perform, but wow, zoinks, um, Archie lied, and the venue never got changed, and he just knew that Betty and Veronica were dumb enough to, like, give the plan away, and so they perform at Zowie Palooza with no problems, and it's a raging success. Meanwhile, the Blossoms perform just on a random dock in the dark, and the and last- And all the turtles hate it. And all the the last panel is just various sea creatures being like, this is animal cruelty. <laughs> and that's Archie's Summer Splash. So we've got a good taste of what OG Archie comics are about. We know Riverdale now. And we know that the, the dark, gritty reboot, it's really in with the teens these days. Um, So what I'm thinking is we can probably make some really big cash if we pitch another... Wholesome comic to the CW to turn into a gritty teen drama. You know that I am excited to finally make that big CW money. That big CW money. How are we going to do it? Well, we return to the Sunday, the Sunday comics. The that obvious choice, Calvin and Hobbes. Of course. Okay. So you got Calvin. He's, he's a teen. A teen. <laughs> now. <laughs> now he's a teen. Now he's a teen. And now... He doesn't like his parents that much. No. He used to get along with his parents pretty well. Not really. Uh, well, like, he, he liked them. Uh, but now he's a teen. Now he hates his parents. He hates his parents. And, and the guess other what? thing? Oh, what? What's the other thing? The other thing is that when he was a child, all his imagination adventures with Hobbes, they were cute. They were fun. They were sweet. Now he's a teen. And the fact that he still thinks that he's friends with um, a tiger, he's got, he's, he's, he's dark Calvin now. <laughs> Well, here's the only problem with that, Kat. Mm -hmm. Is that in a dark, gritty reboot, Hobbs is not an imaginary tiger. Hobbs is just a straight-up real tiger. It's about a teen and his very real, very not-talking tiger. Do we do we turn the tiger into a, a human? No. I feel like we're in a very weird... Very real, very not-talking tiger. Okay, so it's just a... Teenager who has a pet tiger. Who has a pet tiger. Does he does he still pretend he goes on like imaginary adventures with the tiger? Like he because in Calvin and Hobbes he was always having those he was like spaceman spiff and he would pretend that he was a spaceman and he had um the transmorgification box where he would put things into the box and they would turn into different things. Well cat, now he's a teen. Yeah. All he cares about now, smoochin'. Smoochin' and drinking murders. Oh, I was gonna say drinking. No. Well, yes. Smoochin', drinkin', solvin' murders, what mm -hmm. every teen's into. Of course. The question is, who died? I know that there was a lady 
like a Susie. lady child. Susie. Oh, sorry, Susie. Sorry, Susie. You're dead. Susie was like the top of the class. Everyone was like, she's going to go to Harvard someday. She's so smart. Calvin was like secretly in love with her from the shadows, mm-hmm. but he never confessed. Now she's dead and he has to solve her murder. Now she's dead. But you and know what? Calvin is very, very sad, very depressed, drinking a lot because he's very sad that Susie's dead. And everyone thinks that Calvin did it via the tiger. Yeah, and the main reason for that is all the claw marks on her body. All those claw marks, where'd they come from? Yeah, and it probably did turn out that that Hobbs did kill Susie. This has been the only fan cast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to do us a big old favor, we would love it if you would go on to Apple Podcasts, which is what it's called now, and rate and subscribe to our show there and if you want to suggest shows for us to watch or tell us the name of archie's dog or anything else you can find us um on twitter and facebook at only fancast and if you know how to get our show onto the dark web please let us know i've been kyle i've been kat next week we're gonna watch wings i love you i love you too